there are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I am here to welcome you to the second of our two holiday break compilation episodes. For today, we've selected four of someone's best stories, and then next week, we will return with new tales, dear ones. We in the shadows have so missed whispering in your ear. Now, enough of all that. Someone is waiting, and we have terrors to relive. From Episode 1, The Hat Man. Me and some friends, maybe like eight of us, went out to a friend's farm to watch a bunch of scary movies and just hang out one night. This friend's farm was out in the middle of nowhere. The closest neighbor was at least ten miles away. She also always talked about how her house was haunted and all the weird things that happened. I wanted to believe her, but some of it just seems so far-fetched I didn't take all the stories seriously. To start the night off, we were going to watch Children of the Corn 5 in the basement family room. The way the basement was set up is immediately when you walk down the stairs, there was a bathroom slash laundry room to the left, the gun room to the right, directly across from the bathroom. Next to the gun room was the crafts room, and then it opened up into a small family room. The TV was on the short wall of this family room. So when you were sitting on the L-shaped couch, you could look down that short hallway and see into the craft room and gun room. I remember when we first walked down the basement stairs. I just did not like the way the basement felt, specifically the doorway to the gun room. It felt just off-putting and kind of ominous, and I really just didn't even want to look into the gun room. Now, I don't like guns. They freak me out and have always made me uncomfortable, so I just figured this is why I felt that way. We all sat down, shut off the lights, and started the movie. I was in the corner of the couch with my friend Randy to my left, and then Danny on my right. It was her house and her cousin Cody next to her. Halfway through the movie, I needed to use the bathroom, so I got up started walking towards the bathroom. I was a little freaked out, but at that time, I wasn't really into horror movies, so I figured that's why. Go to the bathroom, close the door, and do my thing. When I was done, I remember having the thought, do not look into the gun room. And I just had a really bad feeling. I just did not want to open that bathroom door. I was afraid of what was on the other side. I eventually talked myself into opening the door because all my friends were in the basement and nothing was out there. I opened the door and specifically put my head down and stared at the floor so I didn't even have a chance to look in the gun room and walked back to the couch. I sat back down in my spot on the couch and continued watching the movie. At some point, I realized I was no longer watching the movie. Instead, I realized I had been staring down the hallway at a large, 
blacker than black outline of a man wearing a tall hat standing in the gunroom's doorway. I could tell it had been standing there staring at us for a long time. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I didn't know what to do. So I said out loud quietly, Randy, do you see? And he responded, that black shadow figure in the doorway. And then Danny and Cody both responded, yes. Danny then said, I'd been staring at it for a little while now. The instant we said all this, the rest of the group all jumped up and turned on the lights and thought we were messing with them. A few of them went into the gun room and were making up theories and others were convinced we were just messing with them. Needless to say, I never went into that basement again. From episode two, Fear and Claws. This happened almost nine years ago, but out of all my paranormal experiences, it's still one of the most vivid in my memory. My partner had left for military training, and I was staying with a family friend in their spare bedroom for a few months until I was able to move and join back up with my partner. It was a weird little blip where I had to be where I was for a while longer, but because I knew I'd be leaving, I could kind of just do whatever I felt, as long as I made enough money to keep the bills paid. So, when the job that I had initially loved turned into a bit of a nightmare, I quit and followed a friend who got an industrial sewing gig. It was fun, and we could come and go as we pleased for the most part, so you never know who you were going to see at the other machines when you got there. Where this story starts is on a day where it was pretty empty. My friend and I were standing at the large cutting table in the center of the room, prepping our pieces of canvas for the day's work. And the topic of our conversation ended up being about the things that really scare us. Not the big, obvious things, like being buried alive or having a sleep paralysis demon crawl on top of you because who wouldn't be right? But the smaller things that can just immediately get under your skin and make you go, fuck this, I'm out. I eventually bring up how one of the creepiest things to me is the sound of slow scratching. Not the sound of someone or something trying to get into wherever you are, but the sound of someone or something purposefully dragging their nails or claws just to let you know that they're there and that they have time to wait for you to come out. I even added my own sound effects by slowly dragging my fingernails down the rough surface of the cutting table and instead of letting the sound just fall off when it reached the edge, I ended it with a bit of a flourish by quickly curling my fingers so that it sounded a bit like a swipe. He made a face that said I was not alone in thinking this would be endlessly creepy, and we went about the rest of our day. Later that night, I was lying on my bed in the spare bedroom, reading a book with my dog Bane sleeping next to me. Bane was a big guy and an absolute baby. He didn't look it though, half lab, half English bulldog, 
pitch black fur and a face that made him look like he was fit to guard hell. But Bane never barked, so he wasn't much of a guard dog, which was fine. His job was to be a giant cuddle buddy, and that ding-dong did it well. And when I say never barked, I don't mean he only barked on the rare occasion. I mean the only sounds I'd heard from this dog were little high-pitched begging whimpers for treats or an overdramatic huff when he wanted attention. This is important to know so that you understand just how unsettling it was for me when I not only just heard my dog begin to growl, but I feel the rumble of it through the bed as he wells up this insanely threatening sound in his chest. I go to put my hand on his back and I see his hackles are up, but I'm confused because the only thing I can see that he could possibly be looking at is my bedroom door. And that's when it started. A slow, intentional scratching that started from the very top of the door and continued for what seemed like an eternity until it finally stopped with a quick swipe down at the very bottom. I sat frozen on my bed for I don't know how long, my hand still barely touching the raised ends of Bane's hackled fur till he eventually stood up on the bed. I have seen and heard and felt lots of weird things in my life, but this was by far the most pointed and too much of a coincidence. I immediately tried to think of a rational explanation for what had just happened, but even the most far-reaching thoughts couldn't explain why I just heard the exact thing that I just talked about earlier that day. This was a while ago, but my friend and I were still two grown-ass, tired adults that wouldn't be pulling pranks. And on top of that, nobody who worked there, including my friend, even knew where I lived. The couple I lived with were even less likely to try pulling something, and there's no way either of them could have known about this random conversation I had while I was at work. Then there's Bane, who in that moment was a very big boy, and very intent on being a very scary guard dog. This all would have been enough, I think, to solidify the story in my mind. But it doesn't end until the next day, about a half hour or so into work. Once again, my friend and I are standing at the cutting table, prepping our canvas pieces, when I say, Dude, I have to tell you about what happened last night. I started asking him if he remembered our conversation, but before I got the whole question out, I see his hand out of the corner of my eye, moving towards the hood of my sweatshirt. This catches me off guard since we're both not touchy people at all. Like the amount of alcohol it took for us to give each other a hug for the first time a full year into being friends was excessive. So I'm surprised, not moving, and watching as his face kind of scrunches up before he asks, what are those from? Not knowing what he's talking about, I pulled my phone out of my pocket and switched on the forward-facing camera to look. I see three red scratch marks that go down the whole side of my neck, ear to collarbone. Too thin to have been for me scratching myself in my sleep, 
and Bane's claws were all as thick as pencil erasers, so it couldn't have been him. So I don't know what it was that was scratching at me in my door that night, but whatever it was, apparently, it had been around and had been listening. From episode six, they know my new name. I've always disliked my birth name. Even as a little kid, I'd announce every few months which new name I decided I'd change it to when I was old enough. Thankfully, my tastes developed a bit because I'm not sure how much I'd like to be named after a six-year-old's favorite cartoon character. But the need I felt to pick my own name only got stronger as I got older. The disconnect I felt from my name isn't the only thing I've experienced since I was a kid, though. I've always experienced frequent paranormal events, some of which going back to my earliest memories. Hearing my name often was a part of these experiences, whether it was being whispered by the small, childlike entity that knelt by my bed, or screamed by voices I heard alone in the woods behind our house. Hearing the name I hated was somehow one of the worst parts. I don't doubt that that's why some of these entities did it. It made me feel like no matter how much I wanted to change something about myself, no matter what I decided I wanted to be called at the time, that it didn't matter because on whatever spiritual level these things saw me in, I would always be a version of myself that didn't feel right. Fast forward to my early 20s. I'd made a living out of helping people make permanent changes to themselves. And throughout my years as a tattoo artist, I'd amassed quite a collection of my own body modifications, each one making me feel a little more like the person I saw hiding behind what was in the mirror. But even still, I was no closer to shedding that horrible fucking name than I was when I was six. Nothing I'd found felt right, and I'd pretty much given up on the whole thing. Things were stressful whenever life got dark is when the side of my bed became crowded and the corners of my house were rarely left unoccupied. And they all whispered the same thing. It seemed easier to just try and let it go. It was such a stupid small thing to let it cause me that much frustration. But the funny thing is, is that as soon as I actually did make some level of peace with it, is when three things happened. Someone at my new job actually used the full version of my given name, which I at least preferred to the shortened version everyone used, no matter how I introduced myself. It was like a taste of what I wanted for so long. Then, I found my name. Ironically, I'd had it for years, or the word at least. I'd been keeping it to maybe use as a tattoo, but could never find the right spot. But one morning, I woke up and it was like the realization was unlocked. I filled out all the documents that day and filed them with zero hesitation. A month or two later, the last thing happened. My name change was official, and I was on my way to meet a friend and their partner for drinks. About a halfway there, I started to feel as if I wasn't alone in the car. But when I checked the rearview mirror, I just saw the yellow light from the street lamps flashing across my empty back seat. It wasn't until I made the last turn that from over my shoulder, I heard a disembodied and raspy voice hissing my new name. 
Hello, everyone. In between stories, we like to highlight a cause that is worth our collective attention. For December, we decided to highlight Anira. This is a nonprofit that is dedicated to providing crucial humanitarian aid and sustainable development in the Middle East, and specifically helps refugees and others hurt by conflicts in Palestine, Lebanon, and Jordan. You can find out more and donate at anira.org or from the link on our website, dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. From episode 15, I'll be right there. My dreams are often extremely vivid, which is unfortunate since they are also often terrifying. I tried a few things to get rid of them, and when none of those worked, I tried to figure out how to at least find a way to get out if they got really bad. If you have nightmares like I do, I highly recommend learning how to lucid dream. For those of you who might not know what it is, it's training yourself to become aware that you're dreaming by forming certain habits while you're awake. It's effective enough for me that I got the word awake tattooed on my palm. If I look down in a dream and see that it isn't there, it lets me know that I'm asleep. It takes a while to master, and just a warning, the first couple of times you try it, you'll probably only become half aware, just enough to remember that your dreams and reality are separate places, but not enough to know which one is which. Also, be prepared for things to hurt. If you stick with it, you'll start to find the hidden exits in your subconscious. They'll be different for everyone, of course, and you'll probably have at least a few. I have one habit that involves a friend who has an interesting tendency, and one night they showed up in my dream, and that's what this story is about. I've known my best friend for 10 years now, and since most of the time has been spent living in different parts of the country, our friendship heavily exists through our phones. Mostly texting, though, if one of us calls the other, our first thought is to worry, like, who died? A decade is a long time to be texting someone a running commentary of your life, so pulling out my phone is a habit ingrained enough that one night I thought to do it even after only being able to become partially lucid, which, remember, is not a place you want to be. In this particular nightmare, I was being followed by a dark entity while walking down the street. And the closer it got, the more it grew and shifted away from a human form to just a mass of black fragments that hummed and buzzed like hornets. No one else seemed to notice it or me as I broke out into a run as it came up right behind me. I managed to duck into a coffee shop and close the door behind me. The whole front of the shop was made up of windows, and I watched this thing slam up against it as it tried to get inside. I hadn't been able to get myself fully lucid, and had only thought so far that I was supposed to do something with my hand. I forgot to look for the tattoo, but I did pull out my phone and I called my friend who answered. I asked if he could come meet me and walk me home. He said sure, and he'd be right there. I waited and watched the black swarm continue to slam up against the wall. Sure enough, a few moments later, I see my friend walk up to the door, the dark clouds separating around him the same way I've seen a school of fish avoid a shark on a nature documentary. 
He asked if I was ready to go, and I said yes. And then we just walked for a while and talked. I don't remember specifically how the dream ended, but the last thing I do remember was being far away from the dark thing and happily chatting with my best friend who I hadn't seen in person for a while. My friend, whose interesting tendency is to astral project. The next morning I told him about this dream, and after a few minutes I got a text back that was something along the lines of, Dude, that's so weird. I don't usually talk in my sleep, but my partner was just telling me they'd heard me say something last night. What was it he'd said? Sure, I'll be right there. So I guess I not only got out of a nightmare, but I got to visit with my long distance best friend. So I'll take it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn and Cameron Helquaik. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gaze.